connecting the mountains to the coast in the state of North Carolina as we do a couple of times a month. Uh, Pete Callender joins us. Share some thoughts uh, with you uh, on some of the happenings uh, within our state general assembly. Uh, the legislative session continues in Raleigh. Pete, I hope uh, you had a great weekend out in the mountains. Uh, there were a number of folks from your neck of the woods uh, here on the coast uh, as uh, widespread panic uh, <laughs> came to open our new 20-plus million-dollar Riverfront Park Amphitheater. <laughs> and uh, there are all sorts of hippies out here on the coast uh, over the weekend. I felt like I was in Asheville for a couple of hours each night uh, if you happen to be in downtown Wilmington. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Joe? I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's amazing that uh, I served, you know, in my entrepreneurial ways. Uh, I had a neighbor, big widespread panic uh, guy, and uh, he and his uh, girl, uh, you know, on the hippie side. And uh, they had people from Asheville, Charlotte, Martinsville, Tennessee, Savannah, all in their house all weekend. So I said, I'll drive you to and from. And it's amazing. You know, I kept the, the political talk to a minimum, and, and they loved me as a person. And I have a feeling that if I did inject some politics into the conversation on the ride to and from, uh, they have a very different viewpoint of who I am as a person. Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, I say that, I mean, I'm a deadhead. I like widespread panic as well. Not really a spread head. I was more, uh, I do enjoy them, but like I never got into fish. I never liked that brand of it. Uh, but yeah, like a lot of the, a lot of the sort of libertarian ideas are actually in the community. And the thing about the dead is they have a song for everybody. Uh, widespread panic, uh, you know, tapped into that because when Jerry Garcia died, obviously a lot of uh, people, uh, you know, had to find other things to do with their summers rather than tour. <laughs> and so uh, they went, you know, a lot of folks went and followed widespread and a lot of folks went to follow fish. I will say that, uh, yes. Yeah. No doubt uh, that uh, they are definitely of uh, the capitalist mindset because they continue to reiterate to me, we're not like deadheads. Uh, you know, we come to places and we spend a lot of money. Uh, you know, we're not just laying out there in the middle of the street, uh, you know, puffing balloons in the parking lot. Right. So, you know, we might do that uh, for fun, but, uh, you know, we're going to go spend money in your town. We're going to spend, and, and uh, you know, they were very generous in, uh, you know, getting my neighbors to and from safely. Uh, but it's uh, amazing, you know, and they'll be up your way. And they reminded me of that in this whole crew. It's just, Moving up uh, towards Asheville because you have a, a widespread panic uh, weekend uh, at your Civic Center uh, in yeah. the next couple of weeks. Well, so and be ready for them. Uh, we always are. I mean, we're built to be ready for that. <laughs> but uh, I will also say one of the things about uh, the the scene, uh, whether it was dead shows, fish shows, or spread shows, there was always um, the free market is alive and well in the parking lot scene. Uh, at all of those shows you could I, I like I personally was able to trade various items to get something to eat like uh, you know toothpaste <laughs> and you trade toothpaste for a grilled cheese sandwich like that sort of stuff is commonplace it is um, so it, it really is like a testament to the natural uh, instincts of free market capitalism out in uh, the parking lots I mean aside from the drum circles and the balloons yes the PeteCalendarShow.com is his website if you would like to enjoy his daily podcast uh, covering all sorts of statewide and national issues uh, from uh, the mountains of North Carolina uh, up in the Asheville area. Pete joins us twice a month uh, to get his thoughts on various topics uh, facing our state from the mountains to the coast. Uh, Pete, why is it that uh, anytime uh, you know a Republican comes out and says, hey, you know, I have some issues with the way in which, uh, you know, we're educating our children, uh, well, for instance, uh, within the, the history and social studies and civics lessons, and it completely gets rebranded as somebody that wants to bury North Carolina's un ugly history and uh, whitewash, uh, you know, our nation's past. Uh, why is it that uh, 
some of these folks have a real hard time you know, listening to the additional parts of a lot of the commentary right from the beginning, for instance, that say, we want to teach these sorts of things, <laughs> but we also want to showcase the fact that we believe we still live in the greatest nation the world's ever known. So, well, a couple things, and I try not to ascribe motive to people unless I have a pretty good indication why they're you know saying what they're saying or behaving the way they're behaving and so there are a number of reasons why people would um would go down that path and you're talking about critical race theory anti-racism or uh now uh, i've seen andrew sullivan calls it successor ideology it's but what it is it all is is racial essentialism right it boils everything down to one characteristic and that is race and ethnicity right like that is the sole defining thing and everything has to be looked at through that lens and people who are promoting this are doing so for various reasons i would say one is the people who then make that argument that oh you don't want to uh, learn about history the real history and all of that uh they are ignorant of uh sort of the larger uh theology or ideology philosophy behind racial essentialism this critical race theory and anti-racism they're unaware of it they're just ignorant and they really do think because they've been spoon-fed these uh, talking points by media and Democrats, but I repeat myself, uh, to say that this is all that the Republicans want to do. And the reason why Republicans want to do that is because they're racist and they want to keep everybody oppressed, right? So that's that, that's one potential explanation is ignorance. The other is just dishonesty, right? Like, they understand that uh, embedded in these concepts are really destructive ideas to the society and that they're okay with that because they want to tear down these institutions and replace them with other things. And those other things, for some reason or another, always are in the, the neo-Marxist vein for some reason. I, it's, I'm sure it's completely coincidental that they always have the same answers for their vision of where we go from here, but they, they are, uh, they're deceiving, right? They're trying to, uh, what's called in uh, rhetoric, it's called a Mott and Bailey. Uh, this is a kind of argument. It's actually based off of a castle design. So you have a harder to defend position. That's a controversial statement, right? And then you have an easier to defend position that most people would agree with. So you assert the controversial one. And then when you draw flack for that, you retreat to the one that's more widely accepted, which is the, oh, well, we just want to teach history. And everybody can agree with that. And then the uh, the critics, then uh, your opponents, then exit the debate. And then you go back to the harder, more controversial uh, assertion. That's the Mott and Bailey tactic. And that is what we are watching. That's what all of this CRT debate really gets down to. It's just rhetorical devices. It's it's junior high level, you know, debate club tactics. And it's um, it's not serious. And when people start saying it, I I come to the conclusion that either they are ignorant of the actual uh, debate or they know what the debate is, but they're trying to deceive me, in which case now I have to recognize you as a bad actor. And this uh, you know, has to do with uh, an announcement that was made last week, uh, a bill that will probably ultimately be dead on arrival because you don't see Governor Cooper approving anything uh, that uh, you know, Senator Berger is pushing these days uh, in this announcement and uh, a legislative proposal that kind of lays the groundwork uh, for well, a lot of the discussions that are going on right now uh, within local school districts, uh, for instance, uh, with the new implementation of these social study standards and uh, you know some finite details that uh, the head of the state senate would like, it, you know, a part of that uh, as compared to you know 
where we're at right now. At this point, it's the local districts that have you know pretty wide range. Am I you know, wrong as far as how they get delivered the history lessons that they'll be teaching our kids in the future under this new framework laid out by the Board of Ed? Right, yeah, and this is the, this is the thing. The teachers are always going to have latitude to go down these pathways, and this is their concern as teachers and Democrats is that that they can be targeted under if this law or if the bill becomes law that they could then be targeted for simply you know trying to teach things, and maybe they make uh, a little bit too forceful of a case, or maybe a parent misinterprets something, a student misinterprets something, whatever. But the concepts that the Republicans lay out in the bill seem to generally be things we should all be able to agree on. And in fact, like the I think it's it's uh, it shows the weakness of their argument that the one out of the 13 uh, bullet points, these concepts that they cite for their primary objection, they have to actually just take half of that uh, sentence and focus on that half sentence that says, you know, people shouldn't be made to feel discomfort or anguish. They just focus on those two words where uh, the the entire sentence is that you're not you're not allowed to um, promote a concept that induces this kind of uh, this kind of feeling among the student, uh, the classroom uh, body. And so uh, promotion means compelling them to affirm or ascribe these things, right, to publicly state these things. And that you're not allowed to do that. You can't do that with religion. Right. You couldn't do that with, uh, with with populism and Trumpism. You couldn't do that. So like this, one of the things that kind of gets me would. So would we oppose a law that said you cannot promote that uh, white supremacy is uh, preferable, is a, it, that, that that whites are superior? Is that a, is that a concept that you would want your kids to learn in school? And of course, everybody says no. Well, OK, well, then we should teach them that nobody is racially superior. Right. Isn't that the idea? And that is literally one of the bullet points. And that draws objection because we don't want to teach about the real history of racism. There again, Mott and Bailey. Right. The more controversial argument goes away. And now they say, oh, no, no, we just want to argue about uh, teaching of racism as a historical thing. Well, of course, nobody is objecting to that. That I'm aware of, there isn't anybody making that argument, and so there is a there is a disagreement about the tactics here. Do you go with a law like this that can be uh, litigated under speech code uh, uh, precedents? Right? Uh, is are these speech codes? And you're going to get a lot of litigation about it. But like you said, Cooper's probably not going to sign it. And look, Republicans are using this issue in order to motivate their voters, as they should, by the way, as they should. That doesn't mean that it's not a grassroots effort. It it was. It has been for several years. This has been growing. So uh, yeah, just because they run out in front of the parade uh, to look like they're leading it, it doesn't mean that they're not right on the issue. Well, with that said, uh, you know, as you mentioned, it's uh, a lot of uh, concerned parents out there, uh, the civically minded organizations at the grassroots level. Not necessarily, yeah, you're going to hear some establishment Republicans, uh, but they're not necessarily, you know, barnstorming these local meetings with uh, concerned parents, uh, you know, speaking up and out against uh, their colleagues, elected colleagues, you know, on these various boards of education. They'll make the talking points, you know, on the nightly news, and then they kind of go away while the parents continue to attend and create the 
you yeah. know, the chaos that we're seeing play out in many of uh, these school board meetings all across the country. Well, and, and the, the tactic that they are using to target these parent groups is the same tactic that they used um, to target the Tea Party a decade ago. The exact same thing, right, that they were astroturfed and that they're racist. This is the same thing they said about the Tea Party when it was, in fact, grassroots opposition to specific policies that were being employed, the spending policies, right, um, and, and the bailouts of GM and stop spending, stop spending. That was the whole point. Um, and, and, of course, then Republicans try to harness that that energy, and then they, you know, then they start, you know, picking off the Tea Party candidates as that as they make their way through primaries and such. Um, and so, of course, the political parties then co-opt that energy. But um, it doesn't again, it doesn't negate the fact that these these started as organic movements by people who see something and start pushing back against it. And this idea that, oh, it's not being taught in the schools. Anybody who says that at this point again, is either ignorant or lying to you because uh, we have enough examples already. Uh, at when, when Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools brings in Ibram X. Kendi, the author of the anti-racism philosophy and book, right? Like they bring him in to teach his works to 800 of the school leadership over the course of a year. You can't tell me that this stuff is not in the schools. That's, that's, it's clearly in the schools at the tune of $25,000, uh, along with the fact that uh, there have been multiple articles in that area of our state within the Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools highlighting you know, the implementation of these sorts of ideas you know, through social justice homerooms and uh, breaking barrier courses that somehow, someway, omit all of the folks who are breaking barriers that may lead to the right of the political scale, but of course uh, putting those uh, on the progressive left uh, on top of the pedestal, highlighting how all of these people have overcome and and broken barriers. It seems like they, you know, it's not very even. It's uh, like uh, they're almost doing what they claim th- their political opponents are doing, and then you'll get cover reports by the media you know, night after night. Yeah, they are they are guilty of that which they accuse you. That is usually the case. <laughs> it's projection. I think I've read that somewhere. Uh, <laughs> I think it's called the Communist Manifesto, but nonetheless. Uh, Pete, when we look at the, the debacle that played out at Chapel Hill a couple of weeks back, uh, what we're finding out that uh, as we saw down in Texas with their Democrats fleeing their state, uh, you know, kind of a made-for-TV event, it looks uh, as if uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones not only played UNC Chapel Hill, played the media to stir up all this controversy, create all this noise, and at the end of the day, you know, kind of manufactured. And when you look at the long timeline of events that uh, you know, took us from an initial offer that was laid out like uh, a year ago uh, to what we saw come to hoe just uh, a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, all of the stuff surfacing uh, about her thoughts on uh, Cuba and the communist regime down there. Look, I'm a, I'm of the opinion that UNC dodged a bullet on this and uh, by not having her on staff, because this is what she brings. Right. This this is her jam. And so uh, I think, you know, unless I mean, look, I mean, probably not so great news for talk show hosts because she would have provided lots of material for uh, for us. But uh, I think, you know, uh, as a as a as an institution, I think UNC uh, may have actually come out ahead on this in, uh, in in some ways. I know a lot of the faculty are not going to agree with that. And they're very sad that they don't have Nicole Hannah Jones, because to them, she's a rock star and to the insulated world of higher uh, uh, education. 
vacation, uh, they are uh, they are all simpatico. Like they, the fish doesn't know it's wet, and so they think like she's the best, she's awesome, and she would you know improve uh, credibility and stature and all of that. Um, I'm not so sure because there's an entire other half of the country not so keen on the work she has done. And frankly, um, the, the the journalism standard that she represents is not the traditional standard, which would be you strive for objectivity. She's she's one who's, you know, promoting narratives and um, she's a fabulist, right? She makes up stuff and then says, oh, well, let's like do a thought experiment and look at things through this, you know, prism that I've completely constructed on my own without any supporting evidence to do so. And then it's kind of like, well, wait a minute, is this journalism or is this fiction writing, Right. And I have no problem with some private foundation giving money to some chair, some position to hire her on for whatever stature they think she can bring the school. That's fine. But I don't think you take $25 million from another guy who says these are the standards that I want, you know, etched in stone at the J school. And then you hire in the fabulist right after you take all of that guy's money. I don't I, I, I don't understand, like, what did you think you were doing when you took his money and agreed to put these principles in stone on the school? And there's uh, you know, some questions uh, about credentials, qualifications, and then all hell breaks loose. And again, manufactured, made-for-TV type of event where uh, she goes on CBS this morning to tell us uh, about the systemic racism and sexism on the, the campus of her alma mater <laughs> again all in my mind to, to, to grab uh, you know headlines and attention yeah well People and there's a, let you go well, i was gonna go say that's a great point right there is about the, the the allegation like all of these leftists that are all over unc i mean what do they have to say for themselves they're sexists and racists it's amazing again you know they, they love to eat their own even <laughs> the, you know in this world where we kind of know this direction and where it's headed you know once they do bump heads they have no problem throwing someone under the bus to make their point and you know again to keep themselves in the spotlight Pete I noticed that you know on your Twitter page just a moment ago the news and observer has sent out you know, some <laughs> video showcasing the fact that in Johnston County at least one county in the state we've got public health They're uh, just offering. They're just offering it. They just. This is not the federal government coming door to door. It's just members of the National Guard accompanying health department officials from your state. And this is a bit of a change because remember, initially they said they would not be doing this door to door, no federal agents, none of that. Uh, and then uh, people, st- uh, because people were very concerned about federal agents doing door knocking campaigns like this, and they said, no, 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 it's we're not doing. It's not federal agents. It's just going to be your preacher. You know, that's all. Your neighbor. We're hiring, you know, people that you trust to come to your door. And now we see in Johnston County, uh, thank you to the News and Observer for the video um, of National Guard in uniform accompanying state and local health. Or I guess these would be county health department officials going door to door to give the vaccines to uh, a bunch of Trump supporters, as I understand it, because they're the only ones who aren't getting vaccinated. No, of course not. There's a very large portion. It's only like uh, I want to say it's like uh, 10 to 20 percent of African-Americans have gotten the shots. So, like, there's a huge population there that is not vaccinated that uh, it's kind of, you know, ironic to see people like attacking Trump supporters for not getting vaccinated when you have this much larger population that is mainly comprised of Democrats. <laughs> so uh, one, crit- yeah, one set of criticism for uh, one group of people, it appears.
and I would be you know, interested to know how many you know, widespread panic fans in attendance this weekend <laughs> uh, among 7,000 people have their vaccinations in order as well. That would be an interesting uh, you know, uh, question to ask you know, all of those concert goers here in downtown Wilmington from all over you know, the southeastern United States in town huddling over each other for the better part of three hours at 95 degree heat, uh, you know, eating all sorts of uh, you know, ingestible uh, fun things uh, for them. Uh, that take them into la-la land, how many of those folks are getting the needle and the jab? Sharing various inhalables, yes, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, thanks so much, as always, my man. All right, take care. Thank you. And have a great week. Uh, Pete Callender, uh, host of the Pete Callender Show, daily podcast uh, covering all sorts of issues uh, from a statewide, national perspective, from the mountains of North Carolina at the Pete Callender Show.com. You know, Pathos.